Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Jess Perkins, and as always, I'm here with Matt Stewart and Dave Warnicky. Hey, Hello, Jess. Jess. So good to be here. <laughs> so great to be here. Off mic, we said we'll we'll just get straight into the episode this week. No mucking around. Hang on a second. <laughs> but I did it perfectly. You absolutely nailed it. While we're here, Jess, would you like to explain to a new listener what this podcast is all about? Well, seeing as I'm on a roll, yes. Yeah. So what we do each week is one of us goes away, researches a topic, brings it back to the other two and tells them that tale. The other two politely listen, sometimes interrupt with questions, uh, queries or comments. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes some tedious asides happen. Yeah. Sometimes it reminds us of a thing we saw one yeah. time. Some personal life stories you don't need to know. And you don't care about, but we tell them anyway. And we always get onto the topic with a question. And Dave, uh, this week it is your turn to, to uh, do the report. Have you got a question I for I do have us? a question for both of you. And here it is, the first post-block topic. So hopefully this doesn't... Disappoint. Drag. <laughs> I'm bored already. We're, in the, we're hungover from block, but hey, we're rocking into this topic. But I, it's, it's, I mean, it's festive season. We're leading up to Christmas exactly. time of year. So there's a whole new reason to be happy and, and joyful. It's magical. And checking your list and checking it again. <laughs> well, know, my, Christmas. Yeah. Well, now we're feeling better. What is the answer to this question? What is made up of the so-called five families? Oh, water, earth, <laughs> wind. Fire, heart, go, butt man. (laughs) Did we get it? Yeah, absolutely. MRT with the power of heart slash butt. The five, what was it? Is the five families, is that a mafia thing? It is the New York City (gasps) mafia. Ooh, that's exciting. Count them. One, two, three, four, five. Heart. Sopranos. I mean, they're uh, south, south New York, obviously in in New Jersey. Yeah, we've got the altos. (laughs) The Quiet Boys. <laughs> That's funny. That's good Do you good get stuff. it? Sopranos. I didn't get it, but... Altos. Now I do. That's good stuff, Dave. 
Uh, my topic is specifically on a member of the New York City Mafia, but we will get to him. I'm going to give you a bit of a, a background. Okay. Are you going to get us killed? Yeah. Don't worry. I'm hopefully talking about people that are long dead. Okay. Hopefully. I think I feel comfortable as someone who is one quarter Swiss Italian. Um, it'll be nice to learn about my people a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really bumps up the quarter when he needs to. Yeah, when he, he really when picks my and life <laughs> yeah. is under threat. Obviously, our lives. I didn't correct you today because I also need you to be protected by yeah. you. I offer you my protection. You you get like you wake up, a sack gets taken off your head, and you're like tied to a chair, and you're in the Italian mafia, mafia and you just go, Allora. And they're like, ah, he's one of us. Va bene, va bene. Va bene. A ciao. I pictured, I don't know if this says anything about me, but I pictured a ball sack taken off his head. <laughs> a sack taken off his head. I'm picturing. It's you. It's you I'm te- talking about. I've teabagged Dave. <laughs> so the ball sack is removed. And I'm sitting there. And you're sitting there going, va bene. Va bene. Now you can see. <laughs> okay. Everything's looking up. Five families. Yeah. Classy start. The uh, the American Mafia, or the Italian-American Mafia, as it's also known, dates back to the end of the 19th century. Wow. The five family crime organisations of New York City, however, were formed in 1931. Oh, good year. Did anything happen in 1931? 1931, oh, fantastic stuff happened in 1931. Yeah, all sorts of stuff was happening. Oh, yes, and didn't want a premiership or something? <laughs> yeah, the Great Depression was really kicking off, yeah. I think. Yeah. Great times all around. It's a good time to be a Prime Minister. Tell you that for sure. <gasps> I think so. I could be wrong. Jess's. It was in the depression. Grandpappy. My grandpappy. Your grandpappy was the prime minister in thirty-one. My... Bloody hell. I think so. Anyway, continue. So before nineteen thirty-one, a guy called Salvatore Maranzano instigated the nineteen thirty Castella Marese War in order to seize control of the entire American mafia. Really went. Wow. Had a big play. He went up against a man described by Britannica as New York's crime overlord, Joe Giuseppe Masseria, which is where that the the war the name of the war comes from. There was a series of killings that finally stopped when Joe Masseria himself was killed by his own men. Oh, more on that later. Oh, so wait, is he the one who started the the war? Or? No, Salvatore. His his opponent, Salvatore Maranzano. Oh wow! So was successful in the end. Yeah, he had a bit of a coup. Jess, fact check on the 1931? Uh, I think so. <laughs> Fantastic. That's the kind of fact checking I like to hear. So when you were on your phone just then, you were just looking at Instagram rather than fact checking. <laughs> no, I looked it up and then I got distracted, and so, uh, but I'm with you. What's his name again? James Stratton? James Scullin. James Scullin. Fuck, that was close, though. Yeah, not bad. James. <laughs> Dave, please do go on. So I'm trying to pay, uh, paint a picture here. Salvatore yeah. Maranzano won the war. He's the one that started it. He won it. And he formed the five families, declaring himself to be the capo de tutti capi, or boss of all bosses. Mm-hmm. So the mafia is made up of... Because so, I is the plural of O in Italian. So capo de capi. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Va bene. And E is the plural of A. Just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now, the mafia is made up of what, what are called made men. They're basically the members. Okay. To become made, an associate first must be Italian or of Italian descent and be sponsored by another made man. So, Jason, you and I, we can't be made men. No. But, yeah. Matt. We're not of Italian descent. You're in with descent. a chance. Yeah. Right. Fantastic. Va bene, va bene. Va bene. Molto bene. 
Now, an inductee is required to take the Oath of Omerta, the Mafia Code of Silence and Code of Honor. Wow. Basically, you never snitch. Because snitches get a smack on the hand. Yeah. First, first one, first warning. Stop it. Hey, stop. Stop it. That's why they call me Maddie Tightlips. I ain't saying nothing. Exactly. See, honestly, you could be made mad. Matt, where were you yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> Your lips are so tight. They, it forms a trumpet-like seal. I want to tell you. <laughs> 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 we are supposed to be for coffee. You never turned up. <laughs> I'm worried about you, man. <laughs> 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 so after seizing power, Marazano ordered the families to undergo a structural reorganization, and the hierarchy became soldier, then capo or captain, then consig consigliere, consigliere, then underboss, and then top boss. Wow! And then he'd be all ab- above all of them. I'm already lost at that order. So it's soldier, captain, consigliere, underboss. Boss. Okay. So sort of five levels. Yeah, right. The agreement was that each of the five families would respect the interests and territories of others and disputes would be arbitrated. Okay. In 1931, the crime families were Maranzano, who's the, the absolute top dog. He's got his own family, then he's the overarching guy. Then Profaci, Mangano, Luciano, and the Gagliano family, okay. families. These families still exist. But are now known different names. They got renamed after other powerful people. Now we've got Banano, Colombo, Gambino, Genovese, and the Lucchese families. Whoa. Some fantastic you know, names. Banano was in there? Yeah, that's right. Okay. And I'm going to stop egging Mark's car. <laughs> <laughs> I would too. <laughs> but after the war and power struggle, Salvatore Maranzano named himself the Capo di Tutti Capi, or boss of all bosses, meaning that each of the other four families' bosses would answer to him. He's the top dog. And his grip on total power lasted a whopping four months. Whoa. <laughs> right. So I always said, watching Sopranos, I was thinking, what a stressful life. Yeah. It does seem very stressful. Yeah, it's not for me. People are knocking each other off. You'd just be doing everything sort of on edge, you know? Just trying to go get dinner with the fam for yeah. Nonna's birthday, and you're looking over your shoulder yeah, the whole time. Yeah, people are yeah, scheming against yeah, each other. Constantly. A lot of power plays, and yeah. Mm. Yeah, very. Uh, or, you know, even, you know, there's, they think you've done something wrong. We think, we think they've snitched. Yeah. And you might get a slap on the wrist. And yeah. you, you I wasn't even looking. Ow! That hurt! Don't! Stuff like that. Yeah. No good. <laughs> Scary stuff. So Marazan is in charge of four months. Apparently the other crime bosses didn't like that they supposedly now had their own boss. Yeah, that makes some sense. Yeah, I understand that. Also, Maranzano was seen by his younger and ambitious colleagues as a man stuck in his ways. They thought of him as a real, quote, moustache Pete. Oh, yeah. Tell, tell on me. Yeah, oh, bloody moustache Pete over here. <laughs> What does that mean? Uh, Mustache Pete was a member of the Sicilian Mafia who came to the United States as an adult in the early 20th century. Named so because back then they often had large moustaches. Okay. Well, that's that's a pretty clever nickname. (laughs) Yeah, that's not bad. But it's funny because they often had moustaches. So the thing that makes him stand out is the moustache? Yeah. Well, the younger members were often called Young Turks, so it was sort of split into these generations. 
Uh, one of these ambitious younger members was Charles Lucky Luciano. Oh, I've heard of him. He's a very famous mobster. That's probably why I've heard of him. Lucky Luciano. I like that. He was one of the five bosses. Remember one of the families is called the Luciano? Yeah. And by many accounts was a bit of a bad ass. One of these accounts is immortalized by Britannica, and I'll read it to you now. Quote, in October 1929, he became the rare gangster to survive a one-way ride. He was abducted by four men in a car, beaten, stabbed repeatedly with an ice pick, had his throat slit from ear to ear, and was left for dead on Staten Island Beach, but survived. What? He never named his abductors. Wow. End quote. No, that's very good. His name, Lucky. I thought it was just because it sounded like Luciano. Yeah. Lucky Luciano. It's just a bit of alliteration. He was called Lucky Luciano because apparently for a long time the cops couldn't get him. They get other people around him, but they couldn't, charges just wouldn't stick to him. And they were like, The fact that his throat was cut from ear to ear and survived. That's fucked. That's crazy. Stabbed with an ice pick as well. And they just left him out there to, to bleed to death, and he survived. And after was that, it the kind of thing where he was stabbed with the ice pick and then they all clear out and he, he goes <coughs> and he opens his chest and his Bible has saved him? Yeah. <laughs> you know, something like that? Yeah, I love when that happens. Or he's wearing an ice pick proof vest. Yeah. You look closer and he's wearing an, a necklace of a Bible around his throat. Yeah. yeah. That's cut safe. the cover. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> he was also wearing a, a Bible around his neck. <laughs> <laughs> They've just slashed his Bible. Ah, which is disrespectful. Yeah. That's bad luck. <laughs> he was also the man who lured Joe Masseria to a restaurant to have him killed by his own men. That was the killing that ended the war I right. mentioned at the start. So he was the one wow. responsible for that. So at first him and Mar- Maranzano, he was working with Maranzano, but then Maranzano was basically like, no, I'm the boss now. And he did not like that. Because really the war was only just beginning because Lucky Luciano wasn't happy with the boss of all bosses. So by September 1931... Marizano, the big boss, realised Lucky Luciano was a threat and hired Vincent Mad Dog Cole, oh. an Irish gangster, to kill him. Isn't that... It's, it's just an interesting world where you're like, if you, you look like you're going for too much, you're a threat. If you, you're not going for enough, you look weak. Yeah. So there's like this tiny middle ground that you've got to stay in the whole time Find the to survive. When do you get a break? Ugh. I know it's work, and obviously you're career motivated, and that's good for you. <laughs> but I mean, when do you get to just put your feet up? Yeah, read a book, get a massage. Are there chill rules about out. this, Dave? Yeah, that, what are the uh, rules? Like... Do they get annual leave? Yeah, and you get uh, one massage a month. Oh, that's not bad, and actually. A, a kill-free massage. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hey, hey, nothing weird. You can relax here. Yeah. <laughs> that's where relaxation massages the term came from. Yeah. Because, yeah, the first one's where you would be guaranteed not to die. Yeah. And that was relaxing, just that thought. Oh, I'm not oh going to die God. for the next 50 minutes. Yeah, that's right. There's not, there's not even a masseuse. You're just in a room going, oh, <laughs> have God. a lie down. Yeah. This is nice. Oh, my shoulders feel so much looser. <laughs> yeah. So Mad Dog, Irish gangster, has been sent to kill him. However, Tommy Lucchese alerted Luciano that he was marked for death. So on September 10th, Marizano, the boss of all bosses, ordered Luciano and Genovese to come into his office in Manhattan, two of the other crime bosses. Fearing for his own life and convinced that Marizano planned to use this time to murder him, lucky Luciano decided to act first. The hunter had become the hunted. If it bleeds, kill it. (laughs) Huh? Some of that. (laughs) Predator? Predator, is that that relevant? Haven't seen it. 
Just know it was quoted to the Brisbane Lions before they beat Essendon. If in it bleeds, kill it. If you bleed, you can kill it. Yeah. I think I, yeah. it was a real first uh, step, big step for man moment there. I've missed out a key word. Is there also a, a, do they also say the line, you're one ugly motherfucker? Oh, that's beautiful. Another predator line. <laughs> that's Arnie talking to the predator. That's got, a, that's got a little bit of a vibe. You might hear that in Sopranos, right? Yeah. You are one ugly motherfucker. <laughs> I can see that being said there. Sorry if that accent was a bit too fine, but like I say, one quarter Swiss Italian. Yeah, you're allowed. Take so, that. I mean, I don't know if I have any New York or New Jersey uh, Italian relatives, but I, I assume I do. Yeah. And I did a pretty thick, that was a pretty thick <laughs> accent there, wasn't it? That was a bit much, actually. I didn't get what you're you one ugly motherfucker. I'm not, sorry if that's too I'm American. So sorry. I'm not actually oh. getting anything you're saying. Too strong. Yeah, it's too okay. strong, the accent. Let the record show that he did use his hands. He did. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, we speak with our hands. I'm sorry. No, no, please don't apologise. I was just, yeah, I just cannot understand what you're saying. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So sorry. Just a bit of a... Mickey, I'm a Matthew. Oh, your name is Matthew. See. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> You've gone from the person who couldn't understand to the translator <laughs> very quickly. That was what's funny. I can't understand you when you're speaking English. You speak Italian. I'm like, ah, yes. Si, si, si. Ah, stacosi, cosi. Va bene. So, Luciana's David, been called. Andiamo. <laughs> Thank you so much. Is that shut the hell up? <laughs> no. I would never say that to you in Italian. <laughs> so Luciano's been called into the big boss's office. He's like, this guy's going to whack me. Instead of going to the office himself, Luciano sent four Jewish gangsters who would not be recognised by Maranzano's men. Uh, oh, so that's probably why he chose the Irish guy as well, right? Like he, yeah, because you outside of their own kind of community. Yeah, be like, hang on, why is he sending his hitman? Oh, hang yeah, on, <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. is that my enemy? Oh, hey, hitman Greg, here? the hitman heart. How's it going? <laughs> Good to see you. Oh no. So he sent these four Jewish gangsters. Disguised as government agents, two of the gangsters disarmed Maranzano's bodyguards. The other two stabbed the boss multiple times before shooting him dead. Whoa. So like I say, the hunter became the hunter. This is the boss of all bosses. And instead of declaring himself to be Capo de Tutti e Capi, as many expected, Lucky Luciano decided to completely abolish the role, believing it created tension and trouble between the families Mm -hmm. and would make him a target for future ambitious young challenges. Yeah, that makes sense. He's like, I took him out. I don't want anyone to take me out. Yeah, he's protecting his own butt there. So he's sort of doing like a triumvirate plus two. Plus two. So instead he set up what's called the commission. What's the word you just said? Triumvirant plus... Triumvirant? Triumvirant. What's that? Isn't that like the uh, Romans when they had three in charge or something? Oh, I'm not having a go. I just did not know that word. I thought you were still doing that bit where you're like, (laughs) sorry, I'm (laughs) not getting any of this. No, no, I just didn't know that word. Well, look, and you both I've, looked like yes, and I. I'm lo- I'm losing confidence in it by the second. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I think yeah, there's two triumvirates. Right. Sorry, but this is the commission. Yeah. The commission was a ruling committee to oversee all mafia activities in the United States and served to mediate conflicts between families. That's interesting that they've gone from going, we don't want to have an overarching thing here, creates trouble. We're now going to overarch all of America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that'll be easier. Yeah. I think that'll be smoother. 
well, the it can, commish. It consisted of the, the bosses of the five families that I've already talked about, so the New York City-based ones, as well as the bosses of the Buffalo crime family and the Chicago outfit, who at the time... Deep was, Dish. Uh, was it, in charge was a man named Al Capone. Oh, yeah. Al Deep him? Dish Capone. <laughs> Al Windy Capone. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have enough deep dish, you're going to be windy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that, I mean, yeah, that's interesting. So they're going. We're going to. We're sort of usurping his power. We're going to out from miles away. We're going to be his boss now. No, no, no. It's basically they're saying they're all on a level playing field, right? And that the, the idea is that you respect each other's territories. Like whatever you do in Chicago, that's your business. Yep. And I won't interfere with your shit. You won't interfere with my shit. And then the commission agreed to hold meetings every five years or when they needed to discuss family problems. So say they've got a problem with the feds cracking down on them or something, they call a meeting and all the heads go to an agreed location and, and talk the bodies. about the bodies. <laughs> <laughs> they leave the bodies behind. That's what you're saying, Matt, if you're going to regret things you say, you have to do it audibly. Yeah, that's right. We need to hear the regret, my friend. <laughs> I think they probably heard it. It is fun to see it as well, though, isn't it? <laughs> Just You didn't even get through the word bodies and you're already turning away like, fuck. I hate myself. So that's a little background on the five families and the commission. Okay. Is it? Is there any connection between the five families and a five cheese pizza? <laughs> Name the five cheeses. Oh, what do we got? Uh, well, I've got the uh, bonnet bonadonnas. <laughs> <laughs> got the uh, Gio cheesies. <laughs> We're gonna get killed. <laughs> Mascarpones. <laughs> that one? Yeah, that's one. That's one. Well, you remember the last one. I don't know what's the other one. I'm on very little sleep. You're very tired. And I'm having fun with that. <laughs> yeah. She's messing with you, man. Uh, I mean, hey, I'm bringing out the best in him, I think. Is <laughs> I agree, I agree. So we've got the five families of the commission, which is you know, really se- seven, seven, <laughs> seven families, including the Parmigianis. <laughs> Great to have them on board. Mm. But we now come to the main character of this week's episode, Vincent Giganti. Oh, yeah, of the Gouda clan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the Gouda stuff. Uh, born in New York City in 1928, throughout his life he would be known as the Chin, or simply Chin. Oh, I love that. The Chin. The Chin, or Chin. Were they picking on him? Did he have a, a very prominent chin? <laughs> no, according to Time magazine, Giganti got the nickname Chin from his mother, who would call him Chinzino. Okay. That was mm-hmm. her little nickname for him, and then people called him Chin. What's Chinzino mean, I wonder? I think that was like from like a version of Vincent. In, oh. in her native dialect, yeah, I believe, gotcha. or something gotcha. like that. Yep. And then they, chin. and then he just became Chin or the Chin. He was one of five. The Chin, one of the heads. He's a be on one of the heads. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to find out how far this Chin goes. <laughs> okay. Uh, chin was one of five sons of <laughs> Salvatore and Yolanda Giganti, both first-generation immigrants from the Italian city of Naples. Napoli. 
Thank you, Jess. Thank you. It's, so when Dave says it with his German <laughs> accent, it sounds so rough. Yeah, <laughs> Naples. When you say it with that beautiful Italian accent, Thank it you. just makes me think of home. <laughs> <laughs> what was the, the Swiss Alps? Up, up on the northern border. So Salvatore, the father, was a watchmaker and Yolanda was a seamstress. Three of his brothers, Mario, Pasquale and Ralph, also became involved in a life of organised crime. Jeez, Ralph got <laughs> short, short. Mario Pasquale, yes, go on. Ralph. Ralph. I love the name Ralph. 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 As in the, a euphemism for spewing your guts <laughs> up. So they all became part of the organised crime. However, their brother, Louis, became a Catholic priest. Oh, good boy, Louis. It's always one way or the other, isn't it? Gigante dropped out of school and became a professional light heavyweight boxer, which is awesome because his nickname is The Chin. Oh, and it has yeah. nothing to do with being a boxer. That's, <laughs> That's <good>. great. <laughs> I just realised that. He won 21 of the 25 matches he fought Whoa. between 1944 and 1947. It's pretty good. I bet it was this kind of boxing too, yeah, you know, where yeah. they're, huh, put them up, put them up, put them up. Yeah. <laughs> I love that kind of boxing. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Well, <laughs> the New York Times refers to it as blub boxing. And blood boxers in those days fought four, between four and six round contests in neighbourhood arenas, usually getting a percentage of the tickets they sold themselves. Ah. But at least one of his fights was fought at Madison Square Garden. Wow. Named after? Uh, James Madison, one of the United States presidents, maybe an early one. Very, in the first five. And so was Madison Avenue. Don't call me baby. <laughs> the band. <laughs> Great band. So famous that they named a street after them. Can you believe that? Um, that's the ultimate, you know, that's the goal for any musician, I think. Mm. Having a street named after you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. Jess ACDC street. Lane in Melbourne. Yeah. True. Imagine uh, Jess Street. <laughs> Jess Lane. I think there's an right. amphlet lane. There's a campaign to have a, a Davy Lane. Oh, that's good. Which is pretty good. That's good. His uh, name's Davy Lane. Yeah. I did not get that. From You and My. Davy Lane. Guitarist and his other band. Maybe the pictures or the photographs or something. Oh, no. I don't know. I don't know. When he was a teenager, <laughs> the chin became the protege of Vito Genovese, a childhood friend of Lucky Luciano and the guy who would they, they'd later rename the Gen- Genovese crime family after. Oh. The name it is still known as to this day. So oh, he's wow. going to be a big deal. Right. The Genovese family. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, future crime boss Mr. Genovese endeared himself to the Gigante family when Vincent, the chin, was a boy, when he gave him a loan to pay for surgery that his mother needed. Oh. So Genovese paid for the, for the surgery. But in exchange, he now owes him for life. Uh, between 17 and 25, Gigante was busy ingratiating himself with the family. He was arrested seven times on an array of charges, receiving stolen goods, possession of an unlicensed handgun, auto theft, arson and bookmaking. Most of these were dismissed or resolved by fines and only one arrest resulted in a jail sentence, which was just 60 days for a gambling conviction. Hmm. And when arrested in his early 20s, the chin listed his occupation as a tailor. Ah, love that. Yeah, I'll tailor your face to my fist. <laughs> he used to say real badass stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that's very cool. You're going to stitch your fist to my face? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Huh? And then I'll put, bring your pants in. I'll make them three sizes too small. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, that'll hurt. You're going to look like an idiot. Yeah, yeah not enough room around your crotch. Yeah, that's right. To be honest, you've always got too much room around your crotch. All right, here All we right, go. Here you we got go. a small dick. <laughs> Davy Lane's band was the pictures. Okay, great. 
Uh, again from the New York Times, former New York City detectives who are assigned to organised crime intelligence units said that Mr Giganti earned his mafia spurs as an enforcer in the 1950s. Not surprising for a, a pretty tough former pro boxer. But now he was a full-time gangster. Wow. Uh, what a proud moment when you go full-time. Oh, yeah. That's throw deal. away that old tailoring job. <laughs> yeah, you can finally support yourself as a gangster. That's exciting. Tell your boss, piss off. I'm going to be a gangster now. Yeah. All right. Don't that, cross me. What a gangster move that is. <clears throat> Full gangster. I guess, you know, technically speaking. <laughs> he also had a very busy personal life. He resided with his family consisting of his wife, Olympia, and five children in New Jersey. Olympia so is a sick name. Great name. Well. Oh, no. Okay. Great. No, I'm excited you're on board because he also maintained his second family at a townhouse in Manhattan with three children to his longtime mistress and common-law wife, also named Olympia. Oh, Whoa. you know what? <laughs> Two Olympias. That is actually p- quite convenient. Yes. You can't say the wrong name. Exactly. Ever. In the throes of passion. Yeah, I love you, Olympia. And if one of them makes you get a tattoo of their name, easy, no problem. No, have, Not having to explain that to the other one. I'd name the kids the same thing oh, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's my clever. goodness. Yeah. So he had eight kids. Yeah. Some people just love home life so much. They were on it twice. <laughs> You know when you're a, you're a gangster and you've got so much time, you decide to have a second family. I mean, there's Home already one so of nice. the... nice. <laughs> you got it twice. In New York, New York. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. And there, he's already uh, part of the five families. Now he's got a second family. It's yeah. very confusing. Oh, so my many God. Families. Too many people in this, to be honest. <laughs> so both named Olympia, though. He's got a type, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Bloody Olympias. Loves them. All, both families in the same city? No, one's in New Jersey and one was in Manhattan, so he had a bit of a so he had barrier. The, he had the the pike. How do you that explain a, is that, a thing? that? How do you explain that? Yeah, what and what like um away every second day on business? Yeah, I feel like that they knew about each other. Okay, I don't think it was fully secret. No, you didn't say secret second family. Yeah, he didn't. Sort of like the Simon Says game. If you don't say yeah, secret, yeah, yeah, that's right. It was then just, you don't have to do it's what he just says. Legit, a second family. Yeah, <laughs> I just got a couple of families. They're my common-law wife, and this is my law wife. Both called Olympia. Yeah. Super easy. Have you caught up yet? I'm not going to go over it again. God, it's so boring because it's just so normal to me. I've got two wives named Olympia in different cities. Whatever. (sighs) Any genuinely interesting questions? Yeah, God. (laughs) Why don't you ask my favorite color or something? Oh, my God. Come on. Might surprise you. It's green. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a full-time gangster. Can we talk about that? Yeah. That's pretty interesting. I've got full-time. I've got full-time. Hey, I'm making it on my own. How many I've full-time got, gangsters you I've know? I've got like three guns. You're not that interested in it. Huh? If the guns know about each other. <laughs> yeah, that's They're God. also named Olympia. They're all named Olympia. <laughs> I named my daughter's Olympia and my son's Olympio. Okay? It's easier that way. <laughs> and my dog's Olympia and my cat's Olympio. <laughs> it's easier Easy. that way. Well, sadly, in 1936, Lucky Luciano's luck ran out when he was convicted of running a prostitution ring and sentenced to 30 to 50 years in state prison. He attempted to rule his crime family from in prison with the help of Costello and Maya Lansky, but found it too difficult. Before this, he had been the most powerful mafia don in the country, possibly ever up until that point. Wow. He was even named by Time magazine as one of the most influ- influential people of the 20th century. Wow. Gangster of the year. They do a cover <laughs> yeah, every year. Yeah, yeah, gangster of the year. No, like the most influential people of the entire 20th century. Wow. 
people like Gandhi and U.S. presidents, Muhammad Ali, all these people that are so iconic. And that's how I actually got onto this topic, having a bit of a goog. Right. <laughs> Dave, Do we like don't a, need to know what you're... You're talking about a, a pill. <laughs> you're doing... Yeah. X. Oh, I thought he was wanking. Oh, <laughs> so, I would a bit of a yeah, I'm such a nerd. I read history lists. <laughs> but has anyone ever called ecstasy a goog before? Have I made that up? I think it's going to catch on. Great, that's all I want. <laughs> I like it. There's some, anyone with a finger on the pulse, it's you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the drug uh, underground <laughs> culture, yeah, that I'm a part of. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Yeah, I've been Googling for years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I dropped one before. Yeah. <laughs> I Goog every day. <laughs> <laughs> but all good things must come to an end, even being the most powerful Don. With Luciano's imprisonment, Genovese became acting boss of the Luciano crime family. But then in 1937, Genovese himself was indicted for a 1934 murder and decided to flee to Italy to avoid prosecution. Lucky Luciano, who's still in prison, he's lost his backup guy. He appointed Frank Costello to be his acting boss. That's a great name. Mm. Set your watch that name. <laughs> and uh, Costello became the full-time boss when Lucky Luciano was deported to Italy. Costello's nickname was the Prime Minister of the Underworld. That's wordy. <laughs> Yeah, it's too much. I like it. Well, I mean, I like it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and he held on to this role as head of the family until 1957. So he was top dog for over 20 right. years. I just had this thought, and I don't know if you've connected these two at all, Dave, but just this topic a few weeks ago, the mystery of the the murder in room 1046 or yes. 47. No, that's right. There was a Don, a mysterious Don. This happened in, in 1935, I think. Yeah. So... Oh. One of these Dons could have been the Don. Could have been the Don. Yeah, absolutely. That was definitely a theory that it was it was mafia related. Ah, interesting. Mm. Imagine if it gets solved, which always happens when we, always yeah, happens always when we do. Happens. Just waiting for the email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, I thought you might want to see this to get tagged in a lot of stuff on Twitter. I'm like, there it is. Holy shit! Yeah, I love those days. Yeah, I'm it's like, a good day. Do we do it again? Yeah. <laughs> do we somehow? Are we magic? <laughs> it's exciting to think we're magic. So the Prime Minister of the Underworld, Costello, was in charge until 1957. But that was the year that Vito Genovese decided to take him on and reclaim the top job that he'd been briefly given 20 years earlier before having to flee to Italy. Genovese had been biding this whole time in the wings, waiting to take over. And to make his dream a reality, he turned to his young protege, a certain former boxer named Vincent Chin Giganti. Oh, the Chin. Remember when Chin was growing up, he lent him money to save his mother's life? And I don't know if it went like this, but I imagine it was... uh, Look, I'll do you a favour, but there may be... One day. I may come to you. Yeah. Yeah. And he's come. And he's saying that to it like an (laughs) eight-year-old. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to come get you. (laughs) I'm going to get you and I'm going to... Okay, mister. All right. Okay. Just want my mummy to be fixed. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm going to fix your mummy. All right. (laughs) And you might have to fix me one day. Okay. They may never come. But may. (laughs) And kids are like, this guy's weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are you talking Can about? Can I go play with my trucks now? <laughs> yeah. I'm bored. Uh, 25 years later, though, that day came. Because on May 2nd, 1957, Frank Costello, the Prime Minister of the Underworld, the leader of the Luciano family, went out for dinner and his, with his wife and some friends. He took a taxi home, and as it pulled up to his building, Costello made his way to the front door, and as he did so, a black Cadillac slowly pulled up the curb behind it. 
As Costello entered his building, a shot rang out, and he stumbled and landed on a leather couch in the foyer. Oh, that is handy. That is so convenient. Well, great placement. He fell. The gunman ran back into the Cadillac and sped away. Hard to get blood out of leather, I assume, though. Although, I mean, leather is skin. Just yeah, wipe it just down. wipe it off. The bullet was clearly meant to kill Costello, but it had, in fact, only grazed his scalp. Oh, oh I mean, that that's is a, lucky. That's not a good place to graze, Ooh, though. Oh, I know. I wouldn't mind if, like, grazed your arm. Actually, I mean, obviously it's still horrendously painful. But, but... a graze is a great result. Yeah, 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 like yeah. a centimetre down and it's in your head. It's a bit yeah. of a Mighty Duck scenario uh, where, <laughs> where uh, Gordon Bombay yes. would say about his big chance when he was a kid, he said, quarter of an inch the other side, that's a goal. And then little Charlie, played by uh, Pacey from Dawson's Creek, mm-hmm. says... Yeah, but a quarter of an inch the other way, and you miss completely. And Gordon Bombay's like, huh, never thought of it like that. Wow. I think mean, there's something in that. It's a beautiful moment, isn't <laughs> it? Don't you reckon? In cinema. Yeah. I think there's something there for everyone. I think it's like, so too. Shut up, Pacey. <laughs> <laughs> shut up. Shut up. What's that guy's real name? Joshua Jackson. Oh, my God. Is that Joshua Jackson? Good. That's Joshua Jackson. I'm calling you on phone a friend. Yeah. If we ever have pop culture name Me. question. Call me. Who played Van Wilder? I can't think of his name. Ryan Reynolds. Thank you. So he's, he's been shot at. It's just crazy scalp. He's lucky to be alive. Costello was repeatedly questioned about his attacker, but he told them, I didn't even see an attacker. Yeah. I didn't see nothing. According to What he actually said was... <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he, he even claimed to have not even heard a gunshot. <laughs> yeah, right. I ain't heard nothing. I ain't heard nothing. Uh, 66 police officers were put on the case. Whoa. And soon there was a breakthrough. A doorman of the building identified the 29-year-old Mr. Chin Giganti as the shooter, but Costello testified that he was unable to recognise his assailant, and Mr. Giganti was acquitted in 1958 on the charge of attempted murder. According to reporters in the courtroom, following Giganti's acquittal, he was heard saying to Costello, Thanks, Frank. Ah, the guy he just tried to murder for not saying he did it. I love, yeah, it's like the the players' code in yeah. the AFL. Thanks, Frank. They can you can be knocked out, but at the tribunal he said, oh, "I didn't even feel it." I don't think they do that anymore. Now they're like, "He punched me right in the face." <laughs> I mean, you've got multiple angles on it. Yeah, yeah. what's the point of denying? Yeah. <laughs> so Frank Costello, the Prime Minister of the Underworld, survived the hit, but he took a hint and decided to retire as crime boss. Leading the way for Vito, a.k.a. Don Vito Genovese. You can just retire? You don't have to die in that job? A lot of these people decide I'm a bit old for it and then they retire. That's great. Is there some sort of pension involved? Like prime ministers, you know? I think surely, yeah, they're they're probably... I mean, I've learned a lot from Sopranos and my own family history, but um, they... (laughs) I think it does seem like if, you, if you're if you out at the right spot, then you'll be looked after. Or if you take a hit from the cops, like you go down for the greater good, yeah. then you'll be looked after to some extent. I mean, I, I don't know how accurate the Sopranos is. But uh, it, when I was reading, it did seem like that. But a lot of the time, it feels like they leave it too late. So they call right. it and go, they're out of, oh, I'm too old for this. Two years later, they're dead of cancer or something. Yeah. Oh. It's like, oh, you didn't get to enjoy a great retirement or anything. Yeah. But uh, there's also a chance of, you know, they've got to trust that you're actually out. If yeah. people are still suss on you, they might be like, we're going to make sure of this. Yeah. Or, um, and I think if you if you try and get out at two at, and when you're not right up the top, 
when you're like a, a, a foot soldier sort of guy, I think that seems sus as well. You know too much. Yeah. Why are you going out? You can't go straight now sort of thing, maybe? Yeah. I mean, I'm talking from a real place of knowledge here. <laughs> well, Don Vito Genovese took over the family and it was soon named after him. And like I said, it's still called the Genovese crime family. But again, the chin and his new boss's luck didn't last long. Mm. A year later, Giganti was convicted along with his crime boss, Genovese, on federal charges of heroin trafficking. Oh. This time he listed his profession as the superintendent of a local building. Okay. Yeah, right. Just looking after a building. Yeah, 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 look after this this building with all these families that live there. I'm just like the, you know. Such a great title. Yeah. The superintendent, I don't know what it does, nah, but, man, it sounds important. It sounds great. Anything with super in your title. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Intendant? What, I don't know what it means, but, fuck, it sounds sick. So good. I'm a superintendent. Yeah, you are. Yeah, come at me. Do you want to be a superintendent of Do Go On? Yeah. Okay. It's yours. I'm happy for that. You're hired. Ah, that feels good. Dave, there can only be one. Can I be the underboss? Oh, no. Now Dave's going to come for me. Yeah. I'll be your underboss. You be and underboss. soon I'll be the superintendent. If I get my way. Oh, my God. What have I started? I'm retiring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's been uh, charged on heroin trafficking. The Chin Giganti was sentenced to seven years in prison, and his boss, Genovese, got double. Oh. Proper sentence. Long stretch. So, so on. The Chin got seven. And Genovese got about 15. Oh, I was going to do a maths bit. Oh. I was going to try and figure it out. Okay, seven. (laughs) Uh, The sentencing judge said he would have imposed a longer sentence for Giganti, but was swayed by a flood of letters from residents of Greenwich Village and Little Italy attesting to his good character and his work on behalf of juveniles. So he was popular in his community. Oh, cool. Or at least they were scared of him. Yeah. He was paroled after five years, and soon afterwards he was promoted from soldier to the rank of capo or captain, and was put in charge of overseeing a group of mafia gangsters known as a crew in Greenwich Village. Crime boss Vito Genovese was still in prison but managed to hold on to power until 1969 when he died behind bars. Uh. So it didn't pay off for him. In 1969, he was indicted, this is Giganti, in New Jersey on a charge of conspiracy to bribe all five members of the old Tappan police force in New Jersey. <laughs> so the squad has five members. He tried to bribe them all. <laughs> And how'd he go? Well, he hoped they'd alert him to surveillance operations by law enforcement agencies, but uh, they obviously turned him in. Oh, right. Took the arrested. money and then turned him in? Yeah, I did. Uh, the accusation was dropped after Mr. Giganti's lawyers presented reports from psychiatrists that he was mentally unfit to stand trial. His lawyers presented reports from psychiatrists at his trial saying that he suffered from paranoid schizophrenia and that he was declared unfit and the charges were dropped. This was the first sign of a tactic that the Chin would successfully use for decades. Oh. Decades. That bodes well for the Chin. In terms of life expectancy. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, he's going to live for a lot longer. By the start of the 80s, Philip Lombardo, a.k.a. Benny Squint, a.k.a. Cockeyed Phil, was in charge of the Genovese crime family. Love all that. Cockeyed Phil. He got the nicknames because he wore thick glasses, thick-rimmed glasses. Benny the Squint? Benny Squint or Cockeyed Phil. Love that. So this is Lombardo. In 1981, Lombardo, he was in charge, but he stepped down as boss due to poor health, naming our main man, Vincent the Chin Giganti, as his successor, while at the same time making Anthony Fat Tony Salerno 
the new front boss in order to disguise Gigante's transition into the new boss. A front boss is sort of like a public figure head that the law thinks is the boss. Right. Ah. So the real boss can do Decoy stuff secretly. Boss. Yeah, it's a fake boss. That's wow. cool. So Fat Tony, all the cops think that Fat Tony's the main man, but Gigante's really pulling the strings from behind the scenes. There's wow. been a few Fat Tonys in more recent times. Was he the first Fat Tony? Because isn't there, there's a Simpsons character, Fat Tony, yeah. then there was a, a, a Melbourne guy, Fat Tony, wasn't there? Tony Mockbell was known as Fat Tony. I was think. he? This guy's definitely before at least those two, but I can't tell you if he's the definitive right. Fat Tony. Right. Because it's, it's an iconic nickname. Great name. So by having a front boss, this way the FBI would still not know who was really in charge and would continue to go after the wrong people, which they did. Sentencing front boss Fat Tony Salerno to 100 years in prison in the 1986 Mafia Commission trial. So they were like, oh, here's the boss. We got him. 100 years for you. Whoa. He, he served six and died in prison in 1992. Oh, shit. So the former boxer Gigante had become the boss of one of the most powerful mob families in the world. And under his leadership, the crime family became the wealthiest and most powerful crime family in the nation. In the early 90s, the family was thought to be making $100 million per year. That's a good little bunce. Not a bad little bunce. (laughs) Isn't that right? Yes. The family's fortune flowed largely from a vast network of bookmaking and loan sharking rings and from extortions of construction companies in the New York City area. They also had controls of cartels that rigged bids and inflated prices in the private garbage hauling industries, got kickbacks from shipping and trucking companies on the New Jersey and Florida waterfronts, in exchange for labour peace, protection payoffs from merchants at fish markets and had control of many union jobs. They even pocketed thousands of dollars donated to a neighbourhood church. Oh. <laughs> so Giganti had his finger in many pies and he wanted to insure himself against prosecution. According to the New York Times, as a new godfather, Mr Giganti quickly imposed extraordinary security measures. Genovese soldiers and associates were forbidden to utter his name or nickname in conversations or telephone calls. When references to him had to be made, capos or soldiers would silently point to their chins or form the letter C with their fingers. Okay. They'd never say the chin out loud. Bit of sign language on the go. We love it. And so, yeah, people are like becoming Voldemort. Yeah. Don't say it. Don't say it. Apparently a sign at his headquarters warned... Quote, don't talk, this place is bugged. I imagine he just tapped the sign. <laughs> he held his commission meetings inside his mother's apartment. He comes in, someone comes in, got a delivery for you, just tapping the sign. Yeah. Where should I put these? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> should I just put them here? Should I put them here or are you going to sign for them or... Jeez, mister, I'm just trying to do my job. Why do you keep pointing to your chin? Gun goes off. (laughs) Gun rings out. As I mentioned earlier, in the late 60s, he avoided conviction by getting his lawyers to claim he was mentally unfit for trial. As another form of protection, because he's quite paranoid, Giganti stepped it up once he became a godfather. He wanted to appear to be mentally unwell... So if he was ever arrested, he would be able to counter the charges by doctors and lawyers saying there's no way he's fit to stand trial and also there's no way he committed the crimes you're saying. How could this man be a ruthless gang leader? Mm. So he started shuffling around the Greenwich Village neighbourhood in pyjamas, a dressing gown and slippers, mumbling to himself to create a public character of a disturbed 
but harmless man. He would often be seen by locals talking to parking meters or just pissing in the street. This is the chin. This is the chin. So just shuffle around, wearing a dressing gown, slippers, wandering wow. around, talking, oh. talking to things. So people would see him and go, oh. He's a harmless. He's a harmless man. Just yeah. A, you know, we all know that really? guy. Really? Committing he, to the bit. Is he older by this stage? He's, he's older, but not super not old. Not old, You know, like yeah. 50s. Yeah, okay. Uh, um, there's a guy in Sopranos where I'm up to at the moment who's doing this, but I don't think he's pretending. Uh. But he was like, he's like one of the bosses going around in his dressing gown. That's definitely based on this yeah, I've, I'm I've noticed a lot of things that feel like they've found it. And that guy also has, this is a different guy, but has thick rim glasses. Like Benny Squint. Yeah, exactly. He's a real composite kind of character. So, yeah, he'd just wander around in the dressing gown, creating this character. If a cop or prosecutor was near, he would slobber, waggle his head, and talk to himself. A subpoena served in the mid-'80s found him in his shower, naked with an umbrella over his head. So he just came up with these, like, characters to make him look himself look unwell. Wow. The New York Times break down an average day for the chin. They write... Most days in the early evening, Mr. Giganti, a hulking man about six feet tall and weighing 200 pounds, would emerge from his mother's walk-up apartment building on Sullivan Street in Greenwich Village, sometimes dressed in a bathrobe and pyjamas, and sometimes wearing a windbreaker and shabby trousers, and always accompanied by one or two bodyguards, he would gingerly cross the street to the Triangle Civic Improvement Association, a dingy storefront club that served as his headquarters. Inside, he would hold whispered conversations with men who agents said were his trusted confidants. This was another thing he did. He only whispered when talking about business, so it was hard for anyone wearing a wire to record what he was saying. Right. He also avoided the phone because it was probably tapped and never let his house be unoccupied for fear of the FBI planting bugging equipment. So he always had a family member at home. He's actually a genius. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, the the detail he's going to, just to... um yeah, to avoid it's like he's he's always one step ahead. That's how it feels. Uh, back to his daily movements. After midnight, according to FBI surveillance reports, he would be driven to a townhouse near Park Avenue on East Seventy Seventh Street that was owned by Olympia Esposito, who's the second Olympia. <laughs> FBI agents who in nineteen eighty six observed the townhouse from a nearby rooftop post said that soon after arriving, Mr. Giganti would change into more elegant clothes carry on conversations with associates and read or watch television before retiring. About 9 or 10 the next morning, he would reappear in his shabby downtown clothes and be driven back to Sullivan Street or a nearby apartment occupied by his relatives. So, so that was his routine. It's You know, like, is it worth it? Because, I mean, all of this is for so he can help, you know, run a, a, a business and earn a lot of money. Mm. But he's spending so much of his time... Yeah. Being, you know, pretending to be someone else. And he starts living this character. Yeah, so it's like, when's it stop being worth it? But you also said the cops are watching him do this, so they're aware that now that he's... Yeah, they're trying to put a case together again. So it's not even necessarily working anymore. So he's just spending all this time... But then they've got to prove it. Right. And his dressing gown plan was really put to the test when in 1990, Giganti was indicted on federal charges that he and 14 other dependents had rigged bids to extort payoffs from contracts to install windows with a New York City housing authority. Apparently, installation companies were required to make union payoffs between $1 and $2 for each window they installed. So they were like, yeah, we'll let you install these windows, but you've got to give us a cut, yeah. even though they had nothing to do with the installation. Right. Cut in the middle, man. Yeah, so they make themselves the middle man, and that's... Illegal, so finally they got him on something. At his arraignment, Giganti rocked up to court wearing pyjamas. Okay. 
And it's got to be said that his appearance and reputation started to pay off. He was tried separately from the others whilst the court attempted to establish if he was mentally fit to stand trial. This part of the trial lasted seven years. Whoa. What? So whilst the other people are probably found guilty and sent, sent to jail, he, they still have to prove that he's able to go to stand on trial, and that part takes seven years. And in the meantime, he gets to live his life. Seven years? Seven years. Wow. He would appear at court, be escorted in by bodyguards and family members who basically look like they're holding him up. There's, like, TV vision of this. And uh, every time he's wearing pyjamas or a dressing gown, hired teams of psychiatrists would dutifully report that Giganti suffered from paranoid schizophrenia, dementia and Alzheimer's disease, giving credit to the ruse. They also said he had a low IQ of 70 and he wouldn't be capable of the complex plots that he's been accused of. They're like, no, look at this man. There's no way he's this scary crime boss. Wow. The New York Times writes, at sanity hearings in March 1996, this is six years in. Oh, my God. Mr. Gravano of the Gambino family and Alphonse Diaco, of the for- who's the former acting boss of the Lachesi crime family, testified, breaking that code, that Mr. Giganti was lucid at top-level mafia meetings Ooh. and that he had told other <gasps> gangsters that his eccentric behavior was just a pretense. Wow. So he's Whoa. a... It's a snitch. So the, the family would, like, the families come together, you know, that commission. And yeah. they, I imagine they'd be like, um, I've heard that you're wandering around a dressing gown. Should we be yeah. worried? And he's like, oh, no, no, no. I just pretend to do that. Yeah. They're like, oh, okay. But, but then yeah, surely part of that would be you don't go tell the court. Yeah. Yes. So they've broken that, oh, that they're code. they're fucked. Really broken it. But Giganti's lawyers <laughs> were prepared. His defence had been 25 years in the making, and they showed reports and testimonies from psychiatrists and psychologists that stated between 1969 and 1995 he had been confined 28 times in hospital for treatment of hallucinations. They argued he suffered from dementia rooted in organic brain damage. So he'd been going every year for 25 years, spending a little bit of time in hospital, so if the day came, he could say... Check it. Check out my receipts. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. Whoa. I've got a track record. I've been to a lot of, a lot of hospitals, and they all say, you know, that I I have these conditions. Exactly. And I couldn't possibly be capable. No of way. This. No way. <gasps> so yeah, it's just f- that's f- amazing. Future proof. His eccentric behaviour led Giganti to be given another nickname, which is the Odd Father. Oh, that's yeah, fine. That's, right. that's uh, New York tabloids covering the trial because it was it became more and more famous over the years. I want to be clear that I think like uh, I'm saying that's amazing. It's obviously a deeply insensitive thing to do uh, through a modern lens, but if I'm thinking about this like a movie, it's pretty genius. It's it's very it is clever because <laughs> it, it's clever because it works, but then yeah. it is also mororally you know questionable. But then also we're talking but, about we're talking about the the mafia. Yeah, we're also talking yeah, about. Exactly are you right. telling me? Well, I think I draw the line here. Yeah, no. <laughs> I draw a moral line with the mafia. Yeah, now they've gone too far. Yeah, it's fine for you to kill each other. Yeah, but don't pretend to be unwell. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
I gotta get something off my chest. Okay. I ate your last biscuit. I was that saving been, them for my wedding. That has been stress <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. It was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit. It, that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. Uh, Giganti's family were also an integral part of the ruse with his younger brother, Louis, the only brother that didn't join the mob and be- instead became the Catholic priest, repeatedly attesting to his brother's various mental illnesses. The priest accused the relentless investigations of his older brother as persecutions by agents and prosecutors biased against Italian-Americans. Wow. His brother said, Vincent is a paranoid schizophrenic. He hallucinates. He's been that way since 1968. And when you've got a priest up there giving that mm. evidence, that does give you a bit of sway. It's very well. compelling. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. So his, his brother said he's schizophrenic, but others saw it differently. He was probably the most clever organised crime figure I have ever seen, said John S. Pritchard, the third, amazing, <laughs> a former FBI supervisor who led a squad that investigated the Genovese family in the 1980s. So he was impressing people on the other side too. Wow. Whilst his trial was going on in 1993, way more serious charges were brought against Giganti. This time he was charged with being the head of the Genovese family and sanctioning the murder of six mobsters and conspiring to kill three others, including John Gotti, the famous boss of the Gambino crime family. Uh, Wow. Later played by John Travolta in the film Gotti. Ah. I'd heard of John Gotti from somewhere. Apparently, Giganti... So he was a bit of a character in, in the 90s and 80s and 90s, Gotti. Apparently, Giganti wanted to have Gotti killed because he had violated mafia protocol by arranging the assassination of the previous Gambino boss, Paul Castellano, and who had been Giganti's partner in many illegal rackets. So he's like, you knocked off my friend. I want revenge. But also, on a personal level, Gotti was a flashy guy, often reported on in the media, and Giganti didn't like that. He uh, was old school and preferred people to keep their mouths shut. So he was often in the tabloids. So John Gotti was seen as this uh, this kid. Yeah, what was his nickname Hollywood Gotti or something? Yeah, a bit of a bit of a show off. Yeah, right. And he was like, I don't, I never talk to the media, so yeah, I don't like that. So he went after Gotti, but it didn't quite go to plan. A bombing killed his underboss and badly injured a Gotti lookalike who was mistakenly targeted. I've just looked up. Oops. Oh. That's unlucky. I know. I guess I suppose that's why you employ a lookalike, but still awful. Just uh, got a couple of John Gotti nicknames, if you like. Uh, The Teflon Don, (laughs) the Dapper Don, Johnny Boy and Crazy Horse. Ooh. I think I like... Teflon Don, nothing sticks. He must have Yeah, I like that the most, I think. Sadly, in the end, it did stick for him. (laughs) Uh, Giganti spent years on bail after posting a million dollars and wearing a tracking device. That was one of the things. But he was in and out of court as his lawyer and family argued he was unfit to stand trial. But, you know, he got to carry on with his life for seven years because of this ruse. Huh. 
In August 1996, however, Judge Eugene H. Nickerson of the <laughs> Federal... <laughs> Dave. You've got to warn us when something like that's coming. As it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my... When you skim reading this, you're like, oh, yeah. But, oh, my God, as you say it out loud. Yeah, Can you give us one more time? Judge Eugene H. Nickerson. Oh, that is good stuff. That really hits the spot. That he is sa- good. When he, like, uh, was pronouncing someone guilty, he'd say, you've been nicked. <laughs> oh, that's good. He's from the Federal District Court in Brooklyn. He ruled that Mr. Giganti was... He mi- ruled. That's all you need yeah, to say. He ruled, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you skateboarded out of court. <laughs> he, he finally ruled that in 1996 that Giganti was mentally competent to stand trial on murder and racketeering charges. The judge found that he'd been using false medical excuses to avoid trial since at least 1991. Eventually... He was convicted of racketeering and conspiracy to commit murder on July 25th, 1997. And now 75 years old, Giganti was sentenced to 12 years in prison. Did he break character? At this point, he's looking at a maximum of 27 years, but they gave him 12 years. Right. So which would take him to 87. When he was sentencing, Giganti, uh, Judge Jack B. Weinstein said... Oh, Jack B. Weinstein. Jack B. Weinstein. (laughs) (laughs) He said... He is a shadow of his former self, an old man finally brought to bay in his declining years after decades of vicious criminal tyranny. God bless you, he told the judge, offering a broad wave goodbye when leaving the Brooklyn courtroom. Giganti was jailed in the medical ward at the federal prison in Springfield, the same facility where the man he tried to kill, John Gotti, died in 2002. That's right. They all end up in the same place. Yeah, right. But is... is did he continue to say that yes, he was... Yes, well, he continued to run the family from behind bars until 2003. Wow. When Giganti finally admitted his long con <gasps> and, and pleaded guilty to obstruction of justice, acknowledging that he'd run a con on the legal system between 1990 and 1997 whilst his sanity was examined. So he wow. admitted it finally. Wow. He'd been faking it since 1969. Um, why did he admit it? Oh, the summer of love. Why did he admit it? Well, his, his, his lawyer, Benjamin Braffman, commented on his admission saying, I think you get to a point in life. I think everyone does. We become too old, too sick, and just too tired to fight. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big sort of lie to keep going. and Yeah. And also, it, it took years off his sentence. As part of his admission... Three years were added to his sentence instead of heaps more. Right. So it was kind of a gamble, I think, to try and get out of prison alive. But he did avoid admitting that he was the head of the Genovese crime family. He never said... Because I was the front boss. Yeah, he was like, what are you talking about? Fat Tony. Fat Tony's a guy. But sadly, all good things must finally come to an end, and Vincent the Chin Giganti died in prison in 2005 at the age of 77. Wow. He's been described as the last great mafioso of the century... And his death closed the chapter on an era of organised crime. So he was one of the last old school guys. Wow. And whilst his plan worked, like you asked before, was it worth it? Well, to quote from Jerry Capici, a mafia expert and author of six books on organised crime. Capici, it's a great name. Hey, Capici. Amazing name. To finish my report, he said, The Looney Tunes Act served Giganti well. It kept him out of prison for 30 years. But in the end, he was the victim of his own crazy act. He never had a chance to enjoy the fruits of his plunder, and he told some people that if given the chance, he wouldn't do it that way again. Right. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, it sort of it did have that feel. Yeah, like it's such a long act, and he had to be so committed. Like, 
basically the Daniel Day Lewis of mafia crime yeah, bosses. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and all that like all that time he was spending in the un- he could just be having a, sh- a shower without an umbrella. You know, <laughs> yeah, no. it's which is nice. He wouldn't know what the nicer. feeling of shower on your head. Yes. Oh my god, nothing more soothing. Oh, Weeing in the toilet in pu- in private rather than in the street. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Having, enjoying a good private week. Yeah. Oh, though, having said that, wearing slippers and a dressing gown wherever you go, that's living. That's yeah. all right. That's yeah. nice. This coming from you, you won't even wear trackies on a long haul flight. Yeah, exactly, because I don't want it to be Vincent Giganti. Uh, Matt and I are okay with being Vincent Giganti. I think there's a middle ground yeah, here, Dave. I think it's just <laughs> um, comfort. <laughs> it doesn't. You don't wear tracksuits on a plane and become a crime boss. Yeah, that's not how it works. Well, you just got to have some self respect. Which is very important in the mafia, I believe. Yeah. What? Respect. Yeah, a little respect. Oh, but yeah, I just came across that story and I was just like, that is so wild. Such a long, long con. I just had to write about it. Yeah. Had to report on it. Fantastic work, Dave. Um, yeah, it's really fascinating. Because I, I, I knew the five families, but I didn't, I didn't I knew, know I, yeah, all I knew of that. Nothing about, I really didn't know any of that I didn't story. know any of that, that backstory. And the fact that that lucky Luciano was so famous and powerful that... Even people that I've heard heard more about, like Al Capone, that he wasn't the guy. Lucky Luciano yes. apparently modernised the mafia to the yeah. point that the time were like, yeah, he's one of the most hundred important people of the last century. Amazing, blew my mind. Oh, well, great work, Dave. Um, and yeah, you—that was a one you found yourself. I think next week you'll be back, or next your next report will be back on the vote. Yes, I'm going to uh, be voted for. So we haven't. So the people that support us on Patreon get to vote for two out of three topics, which we did a big vote for Block instead for a while, but the the votes week to week will be coming back as of, I imagine, this week. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, uh, yeah, that's one of the many uh, things you can do if you support us uh, on the show, which I'll tell you about now on everyone's favourite section of the show where we do thank our great supporters. Uh, if you want to get involved in that, you can go to patreon.com slash dogoonpod or dogoonpod.com. And there's a bunch of different levels you can get. What are some of the rewards you can get, Bopper? You can get a newsletter that's infrequent. Um, you can get uh, early access tickets to shows, uh, three bonus episodes per month. One of those is our Brendan Fraser filmography podcast, Phrasing the Bar. That's right. And one of the other things you can get if you sign up on the Sydney Scheinberg level is you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. And this section of the show has a little jingle. I think it goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question, brag, or suggestion. He always remembers the ding. And uh, on this one, you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question, or brag, or suggestion. And uh, you also get to give yourself a title or a nickname. First up this week, we've got Jamie Lidlow. Uh, who's given herself the title of female, all caps, Aussie farmer with endless fruit facts. I think I might have maybe uh, thought last time <laughs> Jamie was a man. So okay. I, but she, we have talked over the, uh, the Patreon chat, so I, I think that's very fun stuff. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I didn't. Female. <laughs> she, well, she wasn't offended or hurt. Okay. It's all fine. I'd be hurt if somebody... Thought I was a man. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're just all trash. So Jamie has. Uh, I think I also uh, called her Jamie last time. Oh yeah. Um. So she's helped me out with the pronunciation of her name as well. Thank you so much, Jamie. And Jamie's offered us a fact, which is this infuriated me when I learned this. But if you go to the shop and pick out five pink lady apples 
it is likely that you'll get multiple different varieties of apple in there. What? Pink Lady is not a variety of apple, but only a trademark name that everyone will know. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I always get Pink Ladies. I think a Pink Lady has been like one of my favourite apples. Me too. <sighs> oh, my gosh. They're all different. What? But they all look the same. I get it. How are they different? What's going on? Jamie, that's crazy. Jamie, more info required. Oh, my God, Jamie, you've blown my mind. I think I'm also infuriated. I'm infuriated. I love Pink Ladies. Dave looks indifferent. I'm, I don't love apples, but I'm looking up because it's still blowing my mind. Wow. That's my, that's my go-to apple. Yeah, that's my go-to apple as well. Love a Pink Lady. Love a Granny what? Smith, but for you, stewing. Yeah. You thought you loved a Pink Lady. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I feel anymore. <laughs> Fuji, uh, if you get the honey whore, fantastic. I remember that when I was a kid, there was an infomercial for Fuji apples. And they, and they cut one open and said, if you're lucky, you'll get one of these with a honey core. And I'm like, what is going on? What does that mean? What does it mean? What's a honey core? What is this? The future of apples. Is it honey? It's just like a, you could sort of see it was like sort of yellowy brown in the middle and it was particularly sweet at the core. I don't I didn't understand. Wow. It. Have I made that up? Maybe. Maybe Jamie can you can help us Jamie, understand. Jamie help us. Is there such a thing as a honey core? Wow. I reckon it was on just after a natural glow. Natural glow. Commercial. <laughs> I uh, put on as much as you need. If you want a darker shade, put on more natural glow. <laughs> And Mick Jagger hosted it. Um, <laughs> not funny. Not funny. All right, next one. Thank you, Jamie. Next one comes from Roy Phillips, who's also offering a fact. But Roy writes uh, his title, The Great Grower of Green Greek Grapes. Oh, thank you so much, Roy. Lots of fruit happening today. That was a similar sort of tongue twister as when Dave said before, uh, I can't remember, yeah. but there was three F words in a row, and I'm like, bloody hell, David. Fuck, 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 is what he said. I think it <laughs> yeah, was beautiful. Right. That tickled me right in the ear hole. Um, anyway, Roy, Roy's fact is cabbage, Brussels sprouts, kale, broccoli, kohlrabi, and cauliflower are all variations of the same plant. What? Is kohlrabi? I've never heard of that. Is that Did I say that right? I think that might be, um, no, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, it's spelled K-O-H-L-R-A-B-I. So they're all vari- variations of the same plant, Brassica oleracea. If you prioritise large leaves, you get kale. Flower buds, you get cauliflower. Vertical leaf buds, that's Brussels sprouts. Wow. That's, that's interesting. These, these fruit the and vegetable plant. facts are blowing my mind. Yeah. <clears throat> Amazing to get two back-to-back. One fruit, one veg. Love that. Hey, we've almost got our daily intake sorted. <laughs> Uh, thanks so much, Roy. Next one comes from Dominic Stevenson. I hope it's about bananas. Oh, gosh. That'd Dom- be so good. Dominic's title is Librarian. Shh. <laughs> in brackets. Oh, I laughed too loud at that. <laughs> uh, Dominic is offering a quote. Dominic qu- quotes thusly. Both optimists and pessimists contribute to our society. The optimist invents the airplane and the pessimist the parachute. That's fun. That's I from like W.H.H. McKellar. Oh, I like that. Um, yeah, that's Need awesome. a bit of both, don't you? You know? Optimism, pessimism. You need them both. You've got to have them both. You know what I mean? Isn't that, that beautiful? The yin, the yang. Oh, got them God, all. Yeah. So beautiful. Thank you. And uh, finally this week from the Fact Quarter Question uh, is from Ben Oliver, who's got the title of Subterranean Titanium Alien. <laughs> 
<laughs> that felt so nice to say. And Ben is asking a question. So we got a fact to quote. No, we got a yeah, we got a fact. Two facts to quote and a question this week. The question is, what is your least favorite trend of the last decade? Was it planking, flossing, Harlem Shake, bottle flipping, or any of the others? Oh. Or did you love them all? I was a teacher during most of these years, and I disliked them. Strongly disliked them. Yeah, I can I can understand why. Uh, least um, favourite trends. I'm. Uh, uh, I feel like I've got no problems with any of these. Yeah, because I'm very much on the periphery. Yeah. Like I'm seeing people doing it, and I might think that's dumb. But then I get on with my life. If you're a teacher yeah. and the youths are doing it nonstop, I can understand that would be very annoying. Yeah, I can't think. I'm actually looking at a list of 2010 fads to try and help. One is called the cinnamon challenge. Oh, is that when oh, people yeah. try to oh, yeah. eat cinnamon? Yeah, but again, like I, I might yeah. see somebody do that on yeah. YouTube at the time or like on TikTok now. And if I, it's something I'm not interested in, I can just scroll past it. I don't really get into tra- I'm too old for trends. What about fashion trends? Fashion trends, flares are back. Are they really? <laughs> flares yeah. are oh, back. I've always hated flares. Flares awful. are back. So yeah. awful. <laughs> um, there you go. There's my one. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I can't get angry about pants. <laughs> Just wear whatever fucking pants you want to wear. Oh, no. Sorry, I was just trying to... Trying yeah, no, I appreciate it. Trying to decide That's what I'm trying to... What, 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 but they I'm really to... do come back in cycles. I remember as things started to get fashionable when I was a teenager, my mum was like, yeah, that's what I was wearing when I was in my 20s. And I'd be yeah. like, whatever, mum, it's You don't cool. get it. You don't get it, Dad. Right? I like Led Zeppelin. You probably never even know. <laughs> you don't even know who the Beatles are. Um, but now I'm seeing like young people, are, they're wearing the butterfly clips again. And I'm like, oh, God, it just throws me back to being seven. Yeah, right. But again, it's I don't care. Fashions. Like, do whatever oh, you want to do. I'm just I've discovered the one I hate. Yeah, what's that? Extreme contouring. Okay, what does that mean? Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's just, just, I don't know, it's just this list of things and I'm like, I don't even know what that is, but it sounds like something I dislike. Uh, It's just a picture of Kim Kardashian doing her makeup. Yeah, that's about right. I don't dislike that at all for the record. Uh, Oh, you love it. I love it so much. Would you be able to spot them all? I, I think the only one I'm not sure exactly what it is is Harlem Shake. That was a dance move. Right. That sound, that does sound same with flossing. Yeah, flossing. I can I can picture planking. I, I had a crack at flossing. Nailed it first time. Some people really struggle to figure it out. I was just standing at work one night, just did it, and I was like, "Look at that! I'm flossing." Good no, for you. Do you work for the youth radio station. I know. I'm in touch are, with them. You are in touch. I'm in touch. I just stay in touch. I should not have said I'm too old for it, because that does sort of sound like I'm too old for my job. So I love all of these trends, <laughs> and I own eight fidget spinners, if they're still cool. <laughs> oh, they're still cool. Are they still cool? Like they were, yeah, I've they've always em. been very cool. Oh, I've got them. Uh, yo-yos. Yeah, they, in, yes. they always cycle back marbles? around. Yo-yos. You guys got marbles? Oh, I love them. Little marbles. knuckleheads? I'm now on a list of uh, popular fads from the year you were born. 1990? Beverly Hills 90210. That was a fad, was it? That was big, Not yeah. Not my heart. Da-na-na-na, na na Woo! Um, and I'm looking at the year Matt was born. Your what was be your year? Swatches. Oh, it felt like a long way to swastikas. I'm like, what year have you put in? Swatches. Swatches. Swatch watch. Yeah, they came back around when I was in high school. Lots of people had a swatch watch. Yeah, I never had a swatch. No, I wanted a swatch. One of my friends had a swatch watch that was like all sorts of kind of like rainbow colours, but not. Anyway, it was just sick, and it was clear, but then had like colourful stripes on it. I was like, I want the fucking swatch watch. Can't believe the 
1600s had swatch watches. I, I thought they were much more modern than that. Do you know what was very cool when I was very young, like probably five, was Baby G watches. They were these big, oh, yeah, I remember thick, the, you remember those? Geez, yeah. Really big, thick, chunky digital watches. And I remember Christmas shopping when I was about 17. I was Christmas shopping with my brother. We're walking through a department store. And I was like, oh, my God, baby G-watches. I wanted one of those when I was five. Were they like a spinoff from G-Force or something? No idea. Am I making that They came up? in like pink and blue and anyway. Baby G for the girls. What were the boys wearing? Yeah, <laughs> the boys were wearing man watches. <laughs> anyway, my brother got me one for that Christmas as a 17-year-old. He got me a baby G-watch that I'd wanted when I was five. They're, they're pretty fun-looking yeah, watches. pretty fun. There's a website still, babyg.com.au. There you go. Get yourself a baby G. Anyway, <laughs> don't know if that really answers your question. It seems like the, the trends don't really seem to phase us very much, probably oh, because we're not very cool. That means we're, we're not, we don't know what it is. No, God, no. We, and I've never claimed to. <laughs> not once. Yeah, there's G-Force watches. Yeah. Or G-Shock, sorry. Black and big watch man. <laughs> man time. <laughs> It'll tell you the man time. I love how it's, if it's a big black watch, it's like, oh, fragile men, they need a tough watch. But if it's a pink watch, it's like, oh, patronising to us women. You know what I mean? It's like, wait, men are the villains both times. And that's the society we live in now. Yeah, thank you. Now men... Are actually second class citizens. <laughs> Arrest Bail my out case, of this one your quick. honor. <laughs> Get out of it. Anyway, I just want everyone to uh, come to my MRA meeting. Uh, <laughs> we hold them online uh, every Saturday night. It's normally just me. But <laughs> <laughs> just waiting for other people to join. So the other thing we like to do is thank a few of our great uh, supporters who support us on the. Uh, shout out level or above, which I believe is the ass prod level. Mm. Uh, Jess, you normally come up with a bit of a game based on the the topic at hand. Yeah, I'm thinking. Um, oh shit, I don't know. I was thinking of like where their mob family is located, but oh, yeah. other than where they are from. Yeah, that makes sense. Could give them a nickname. A nickname is much oh, better. Yes. Yeah, that's fun. Like that. a mobby nickname. Like Tony, we had. I do just want to say though, Dave, um, you did. It, you really swung in there and took my thing. Um, <laughs> so sorry, but it is much better. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm torn here. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what so to do. I guess we'll go for it. I'm not happy about it. And um, there's going to be a horse head in your bed tonight. Oh no! I would also like to say on the record that you want a horse head. Much respect for what the five families have done. Yep. For New yeah, York yeah. City and you know America in general. Yeah, I love them. Can uh, I can I start? Yeah. Or did you want to go? No, I mean I go first every time, do but you? I'd love for you to go first oh, this time. You go. Take that pressure off my neck. Well, I also did the intro of this episode, so six years in, I'm finally <laughs> taken go- over. Six years in, having that seven year itch. <laughs> Okay, firstly, from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, I love... I mean, that's got to be one of the great names. It's incredible. Should have turned left at Albuquerque's. That's a Bugs Bunnyism, isn't it? <laughs> I would love to thank Kayla Marvin. Oh, Kayla. The Martian. The, fish... <laughs> the Martian Marvin. <laughs> from Albuquerque. That just makes sense to me. The Martian from Albuquerque is pretty good. Yeah. Kayla the Martian. Because she's out Marvin. of this world. Is that something? Yeah, that's yeah. great. I'm hot and I'm tired <laughs> and I'm losing my mind a little bit. So I think that's fantastic. Okay. 
Um, thank you, Kayla the Martian. I would also love to thank from Kensington in Victoria, Holly Griffiths. Holly Griffiths, the gorilla. Ooh, oh, that's good. That's great. Holly the gorilla Griffiths. Yeah, because Holly takes no shit. Yeah. If you fuck with her, she's going to fuck you right yeah. back. Oh, gorilla. She'll beat her chest yeah. and beat you yes. to a pulp. And you will not fare well. Like that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that sounds. No, you haven't seen enough gorillas. I've watched on oh, you know, the okay. podcast primates. I've, a lot of it is just watching gorillas. <laughs> That's nice. Sound like a perv. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Holly. I would also love to thank from Meridian in, I want to say, Idaho. Oh, Spud Club country. Is it ID, Idaho? I Surely, reckon. right? Yeah. What are, there's Indiana, Idaho, Iowa. Are they the three I's? Meridian ID. I reckon it's got to be Idaho. Please, Jess. I'd put money on. If we were on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, I'd lock that in. Would you? Well, you just won a million dollars. Yes! Well, from Meridian, Idaho, I would love to thank Travis Berger. Ooh, oh, the, the Grave Digger. Oh, that love is that. Great. Travis the Grave Digger Burger. Love that. <laughs> that is, well, that's a, I mean, is that his job? He's like, he just <laughs> literally digs the graves. <laughs> I was sure you were going to go with Whopper, which is the Gravedigger is way more badass. Imagine your nickname being Whopper. Whoa, oh, Whopper. here comes Whopper. Oh, yeah, Whopper's a bumbling fool, but yeah. the Gravedigger is like a fucking like, quiet what? badass. Yeah, yeah. He ain't saying nothing. Uh, would it be okay, Dave, if I go next? I'd love it. Well, firstly, I'd love to thank from Glasgow in Scotland, Great Britain, uh, Lewis. No Lewis. I love him. A bit of mysterious. The Glasgow Kiss. I mean, that's oh. the Glasgow Smoocher. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh the smo- just the Smoocher. The Smoocher. Oops, Smooch is here. Louis the Smooch. Louis oh. the Smooch. Oh, my God. I think we got it. Matt, <laughs> I have to give you one of these. That's fucking great. That is great. brilliant. That's fucking great. We did it. Yes. <laughs> Comes in, gives you a Glasgow Smooch. Good night. Yeah, no, no. You're dead. I've, I've, oh, that, this next one is fantastic, and it feels like already really giving themselves a nickname from Berkhamstead in Great Britain. It's Crumbly Biscuit. Crumbly Biscuit, the Bicky. <laughs> the Bicky. <laughs> the Bicky. Crumbly, the, the Bicky Bic- Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, named after pens. <laughs> yeah. That's just a coincidence. Oh, you call biscuits Bickies. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's cute then, isn't it? What a world. <laughs> crumbly biscuit. That's so good. Uh, thank you very much, Crumbly Biscuit. And finally from me, I'd love to thank from Amsterdam in the Netherlands, Jessica Clarsen. Ooh, Jessica Clarsen. Jessica Clarsen. Jessica. The teacher. Teacher. Yeah, yes. The teacher. That's good. Jessica, the teacher. The teacher. There's something about the teacher? that. Yeah. The, the teacher. Or the, the, the prof. professor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jessica, the professor class. Yeah, I think oh, professor's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that's good. She'll school you. Yeah. In hell. (laughs) (laughs) In hell. (laughs) She goes around, wherever she goes, someone like Slash or someone's following her around. (laughs) So everything she says, there's a little lick on the guitar. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I would love to thank from Sebastopol here in Victoria, Narelle O'Connor. Narelle oh, the knockers. O'Connor. That was, would have been a nickname. Knock, N-O-C. What about like knockers. Sebastopol's like on the fringe of Ballarat? What about something like Gold Digger? Oh, the gold, yeah. Or the... the nugget. 
The Nugget. Oh, the Nugget. <laughs> <laughs> Morel. The, the Nugget. Morel the Nugget. That's great. <laughs> Don't oh. fuck with the Nugget. Oh, my God. The Nugget's here. Fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> yeah. Clean up, clean up, clean up. Clean up the house. Yeah. They don't like mess. <laughs> the nugget's going to fuck you up. <laughs> don't call the nugget. Norell O'Connor. Fantastic name. Great name. Thank you, Norell. Thanks, Nugget. And I would love to thank from uh, Auckland over in New Zealand, Evan Lansdowne. Evan Lansdowne. The cloud. Oh, Evan the cloud Lansdowne. Oh. Yeah. You know, because he'll appear above you and piss on you. Yeah. <laughs> rain down fury. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. I'll make it rain pain. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's good. The cloud. You guys were going for like metaphorically, like he'll <laughs> rain pain on you. I'm saying he's going to piss on people. And he's going to literally float he above. Literally whips it he out can and piss fly. <laughs> It, you'll, at first you'll be like, oh, is it raining? No, you're getting pissed on. Don't piss on my head and tell me it's raining. That's where the saying comes from. Yeah. It comes from Evan, Evan Lansdowne. Slowly it morphed in a don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining, but it did start out as on my head. <laughs> That's funny. And finally, I would like to thank from Poughkeepsie oh! in New York. <gasps> wonder if he's anywhere near the five crime families. William Yago. Oh! Yago, oh, the Yago. parrot. Oh. <laughs> William, is that the, the Lion King parrot? Yago, no. Aladdin. 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 Jeez, they've used that parrot enough, haven't they? Yes. Different kind of bird, probably. Different birds. Sorry. William, the Sorry, parrot. Walt. The parrot Yago. Oh, that's good. The what if it's Jago? Yago. It could be Jago. Still, the parrot's great. Fantastic. If I may compliment yeah, the par- my own I mean, suggestion. That's, what, that's yeah. definitely the hero here, the yeah. parrot. But it's an ironic nickname because he doesn't squawk. Yeah, yeah exactly. I ain't squawking. I ain't squawking. I ain't saying nothing. Uh, cheers, William, Evan, Narelle, Jessica, Crumbly, Lewis, Travis, Holly and Kayla. And the last thing we like to do is uh, shout out to a few people who've uh, been on the shout out level or above for three straight years. They've been welcomed into the Triptych Club. Oh, this is a club that uh, is exclusive to people who have done the thing I just said. And uh, once you're in, you're in for life. It's lifetime membership. Uh, Jess, normally when people are welcomed in, you've got some sort of a cocktail. Do you have some sort of five families cocktail this week? I do, but it's a secret. Oh, you won't tell. <laughs> I won't tell. I love that. I've got five different cocktails, each representing the family. One of them is poisonous. Oh, oh. shit. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I, I know, yeah, it's sort of like a Russian roulette. Yeah. Cocktail You'll service. wisely. Dave, you normally book a band as well. You're never going to believe this. Oh, my God. What's happened? Obviously booked this months in advance. I have accidentally booked on this date La Mafia, the five-time Grammy Award-winning musical group playing Latin music based in Houston, Texas. Wow. Wow. That is vaguely re- relevant based on the name mainly. Yeah. But Houston... That that feels to me like a cover. Yeah. Am I right, Dave? That's where they fled. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We're playing Latin music yeah. in Houston. Yeah. We nice. know what you're playing. Great to have. You're playing Dean Martin covers in the heart of New York City. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We're on to you. <laughs> All right. So, Dave, that's a great booking. Well done. Thank you. I'm getting nothing but, but hits lately. You've been <laughs> nailing it. I mean, you're the only one who's been in a successful band here, so it makes sense you're using your connections and you're using them wisely. Thank you. Now, I'm standing at the door. I've got the clipboard. I've got the list of names. I think we've got about eight coming in tonight. Big, 
Big night for the club. Dave's, uh, he's on the mic inside. He's emceeing this party. Everyone else is already in and standing around, ready to cheer you on as we bring you into the club. Uh, takes a lot out of Dave to be the hype man, so Jess is also giving Dave a little hype of his own. Okay, so are you ready? Dave. Here we go. You can do this. Okay, well, I kind of zoned out for a second there. All right, no, here we go, got, here we go. Got, you're getting in the zone. That's what yeah. you're yes, doing. Yes, I was zoning in. Yeah, let's do Not it. Not zoning out. Woo! All right, from Auckland in New Zealand, it's Meredith Van Beekhuizen. Oh, Van Beekhuizen. More like... Van seeking a good time. Houston. Team effort there. Thank you so much. You got my back. You From looked like a deer in headlights. Adelaide in South Australia, it's Christina Nitschke. You make me feel richky. Yes, rich in friendship. From Glasgow in Scotland, it's Niall Dixon. Oh, I, I was in denial about having a good time. But you know what? We're going to have a good time. Niall's here. From Leicester in Great Britain, it's Liam Kewen. Who takes our fantastic photo- photos. We love you, Liam. Uh, from Leicester, more like from the best uh, yes. place. Uh, from Box Hill North in Victoria, Australia, it's Ruby O'Day. Oh, Ruby O, make my day. <laughs> Ruby O, hi. <laughs> from <laughs> Toronto in Ontario, Canada, it's Eva. What's my body doing? What's my body doing? Having a great time. Yay, Eva, welcome aboard. From Round Rock in Texas in the United States, it's David Aranda. Ooh. Get Aranda. Okay, get Aranda, David Aranda. I was going to say something about Veranda, but anyway, <laughs> uh, that's way better. And finally, from York in this is old York in Great Britain it's Liam Duncan oh Duncan on the hoop slam Duncan oh, I'd love to have a beer with Duncan oh, Duncan there's so many there for you mate <laughs> uh, welcome into the club Liam David Eva Ruby Liam Niall Christina and Meredith hope you have a fantastic time thanks so much for your support for the last three years now Jess is there anything else we need to say before we boot this baby home just that if you want to get in touch with us you can do so at dogoonpod at gmail.com do go one pod on all of the socials. Um, we will be back next week with another stellar report. Honestly, it's going to blow your socks off. Wow. <laughs> oh, shit, it's probably me. It might not blow your socks off, but it'll, I'll try. Boot at home, Dave. Thank you so much for listening, but until next week, I'll say thank you and goodbye! Later! Bye! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.